Hey guys, welcome to Christ Our Treasure. This is your host, Tim Scott, uh, and uh, it is great to have you with me one more time. A couple weeks ago, we started a, or I started a collaboration with uh, the guys over at uh, Ordinary Fellowship, a great group of brothers, um, Jeremy Lee, who I've known for a great many years, and Matthew Matthew McLaughlin, uh, who I've known for just uh, uh, just a little while, but uh, both of them are great brothers, and have it's been a joy getting to uh, record on the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, <clears throat> spin it up, and we are going to um, delve into uh, and let you uh, listen in on the uh, uh, the fellow the the fellowship and the uh, the conversation that I was able to have and blessed to have with uh, with uh, Jeremy and Matthew over at Ordinary Fellowship. If you haven't done so, I would invite you to go ahead and go on over and to uh, to check them out. Great group of brothers. I think you'll be edified and encouraged through their content. So um, I hope you enjoy this time. Uh, God bless. Hello, I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me is my co-host, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Hello. We're uh, normally... We're podcasting with Ordinary Fellowship, and we are doing that today, but we're also joining with us uh, Tim Scott. He's a host of Christ Our Treasure podcast. We're having another joint podcast. Hey, guys. Uh, he's with us today, too. Uh, we started talking last week about a, a series we're going to be doing on the Holy Spirit, and uh, we talked about the person of the Spirit last week, trying to show that he is one of the three persons of the Trinity, uh, that he is God, that he's a person, not a force. And uh, and so now today, we're going to start diving into hit the work of the Spirit. As I said last week, we'll take some breaks here and there, talk about some other things, uh, but uh, we'll be, we'll get back, ultimately get back to the series on the Holy Spirit and most of the time, in fact, all the rest of the time is going to be spent talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. So uh, the first work that we're talking about today, actually two aspects I think of the same thing, is uh, the inspiration of scriptures and also the illumination of the scriptures that the Holy Spirit does. So one is uh, the inspiration of the scriptures is the, the Holy Spirit writing the scriptures, and uh, illumination is uh, working in us, in believers, uh, to help us to grasp and understand uh, the word that he's written. Um, we'll spend a lot more time on inspiration because that's foundational. Without inspiration, there's no illumination, so we're going to spend quite a bit of time on that today. So let's dive right in. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All right. So there's several key words right there, but inspiration is, is probably the most important. Tim, I, I know you like those fancy words, so you want to <laughs> <laughs> do the honors? Uh, the honor of what? Defining inspiration? No, the Greek word for inspiration oh uh, you don't remember i did i don't man come on you gotta give me a heads up it's like you can't just plop this down and make me go back to college and be like oh yeah man i remember this is like 20 years ago 
Now you had patripassionism right at the tips of your fingers, hey, right on the tip of your tongue last time. Well, it, you know, never mind, because it doesn't matter. I was just going to give you your chance to uh, show off how many words you know, big words you know. But so it's Theos Neustos. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't sound right, but you know, Theos Neustos. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, anyways, this this is the word that's that is translated in the ESV as breathed out. The King James uses inspired, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's inspired in the King James. It's breathed out in the ESV. Now, one of the things that we argued about in college, and I'm sure you had this argument too, Matthew, is were the words inspired, right? You remember that, Tim? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember this conversation well, man. Was it those, those were fun days. But anyway, I, I think it's actually a moot point because the text says that all scripture is breathed out. Uh, the word scripture is uh, is the word for writings. So it's the writings that are breathed out. Um, so when we're when we're talking about what is what is inspired it's the text of scripture it's the words of scripture that are inspired and i think the reason why there's confusion about this is because in theology we talk about inspired men we talk about paul being inspired peter being inspired so on and so forth but nowhere in the bible does it actually use the word inspiration for men it only uses inspiration for the text the writings of scripture. So that it's, it's really a moot point. If you follow what, what the text says that uh, Matthew read for us, it's scripture itself that is breathed out by God, not we, not inspired men, not that it's incorrect to talk about that, but just, but then you need to, you're going to need to clarify what you mean. So it's, it's scripture itself. It's the writings that are inspired of God. Um, and that by necessity means the words. You have anything to add to that guys? No, I think, I think, I think you, you've hit that, uh, the na that proverbial nail on the head. So I, I, I don't think there's anything else to add to that. One of the other issues with this text is that, um, Primarily, Paul is speaking about the Old Testament, right? So how do we get that the all, how do we go from here? Because we believe the entire Bible is inspired, the Old and New Testament. How do we go from this text to saying the whole Bible is inspired? Or do we? Well, I mean, generally, I would say that, um, you know, since this word, this word is used in two different senses, um, throughout scripture. One is specifically uh, applicable to a, a particular passage of scripture, um, but it's also used in a collective sense. Um, so I, I think that uh, here, clearly, Paul is using it in the latter instead of the, the, the former, that it is being used in a collective sense. That is that, uh, that you know, all, obviously, the, 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 the word for all is there, all scripture, meaning collectively all of scripture. Um, and so um, Paul certainly had an idea 
that, uh, and Paul certainly knew, I don't buy into the idea that these men did not know that they were writing inspired scripture. They most certainly did know that they were writing inspired scripture. And so Paul was referencing his own writings as he wrote this. So he was, he was not just saying, well, all scripture, meaning just the old Testament, but all scripture as in all of his inspired writings as well, and include in that all of the um, the apostles' writings, and I think we see that collective. I think we see that collectiveness even explored in, say, Peter's writings, because Peter even says that uh, the uh, that um, all the scripture, and he says um, he includes Paul's writings in that um, when he talks about men who twist the uh, the writings of scripture, you know, and and they pervert them, um, and so he includes Paul's writings in that. So. Um, I, I would certainly say that is that is one way, not the only way, but certainly is one way that we get to uh, include not just the Old Testament writings, but also the 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 New Testament writings. Yeah, that verse you were talking about is Second uh, Peter three sixteen. As he does, speaking of Paul, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Yeah. Well, so, and clearly, I would simply say, too, clearly from from church history, we also have a collective understanding or we have a we have an understanding of their their collective mindset, which is they, that as these writings were coming to them, they understood which ones were inspired and which ones were not. Um, because I mean, we, we have, I mean, it's not like, um, we don't have other writings from the time of the new Testament. We have first and second Clement, uh, and we have, we have others, um, who wrote, uh, with, within this time frame, and, and the church never, never included them within the, the canon of scripture. So it, it's not as if the, the church did not understand, um, that, that as they were receiving these, that this was, this was inspired, that these were coming by, by God's direction through these apostles. Well, and then, Matthew, did you have anything to add before I do? No, go ahead. Okay. So the other thing um, in John, I don't remember the exact reference, but John 14 through 16, in, that, in those chapters, Jesus promises the inspiration of the New Testament there. And so we have everything you said, plus Jesus promised to inspire the New Testament. So in the word, the word that's translated scriptures, it event became a technical word for the word of God, um, for, for the scriptures, not just ordinary writings. So um, that's how Christians at least used, used that word. So whatever fits in that category of scriptures would be inspired by God. We have lots of evidence of that throughout scripture. So, even if Second Timothy, even if that refer only refers to the New Testament, we still have ample other places that refer to the inspiration in the New Testament as well. Right, and so I think by extension you can apply that that verse to the New Testament as well, though indirectly. And this is the work of the Spirit. I'll we'll show that more in a minute, but. Even the word you use, Tim, theopneustost, uh, is a is a compound word that literally translated as God breathed, and the word for breath 
in both the Old Testament and the New is the same word that's used uh, for spirit. Ruach in the Hebrew and pneuma in in Greek. Those can often be uh, translated as breath according to the context or wind according to the context. So this is... uh, the word itself is is can imply that the spirit is involved in this. Um, it also implies that God is speaking because when you speak, you breathe out. So, so the scriptures are the breathed out words of God. They're the spoken words of God. God, God gave them to His people. Now, in a minute, we'll talk more about how God did that. Uh, but any any other thoughts on the Spirit's work and inspiration itself from the Second Timothy passage? No, I I don't think so. So one of the things that I would say is that um, clearly any church that treasures the Scriptures treasures the work of the Spirit, mm-hmm. um, because you you don't get the Scriptures without the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the direct author to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So um, the next passage uh, that we need to look at uh, is 2 Peter 1, 21. You got that first, Matthew? For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spake from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I think this passage speaks, from my understanding at least, this speaks more to the mode of how the spirit ordinarily worked so that the words that God desired to be written would be written, right? There's arguments among uh, theologians about the mode of inspiration, how did God do it? Uh, one of the things that they all, all, most all evangelicals immediately say is we, we don't believe in the dictation theory. That is that God spoke the words and they wrote it down. I don't in general agree with the dictation theory, theory, but there are some places that may be <laughs> written down exactly as God dictated to the prophet. Um, yeah. I mean, the Ten Commandments were written with the finger of God. They weren't really uh, mediated to us other than being brought down from the mountain by Moses. Uh, they were written directly by God. And there may be some other places that were explicitly things that God said that were just written down directly. So I don't think that's a good way to look at overall how the Bible was written, because obviously uh, the Psalms and Proverbs and other places weren't just direct statements from God. Uh, But I don't think it should be ruled out completely as it in certain circumstances. So we don't believe in dictation theory as best explanation for overall in scripture. So what is it that we do believe? I remember some of the arguments in, um, in systematic theology class. Uh, one of the professors seemed to believe that God like gave the writers the main idea and they wrote as they desired, things like that. What do you think about those kind of ideas too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think probably the, the, the main idea behind, I guess, what most evangelicals would believe is uh, what is called verbal plenary inspiration, 
which uh, just simply means that, you know, God protected, um, he, he gave the, um, the thoughts and allowed them to use their own uh, personalities. He allowed them to use their own vocabulary um, for the most part. I mean, again, I mean, uh, except for the, the, um, the few places um, like with the prophets or, um, you know, even with the, pro- the, the apostles quoting scripture, uh, I think, uh, you know, ultimately um, God uh, seems to have inspired um, thoughts. He seemed to inspire, gave them um, gave them what they, they needed and allowed them to express that in their, in their own vocabulary, which is why, as you look at the Greek New Testament, you see that there is such wide varying differences in, in writing styles and uh, the, the way they employ um, you, uh, you know, phrases and, and different things like that. So, so yeah, I, I, w- I would typically say that, uh, that absolutely God, God gave thoughts. Uh, you know, he su- superintended and protected those thoughts um, but but ultimately allowed them to express them in in their own words. I like the word superintendent. Yeah, that's a good word. Because I don't think we want to picture it as puppets, just writing like in a trance. Although some <laughs> some of the prophets were in a different state, obviously, uh, when they received the revelation from God. Uh, but as an overall theory of inspiration, I don't think we want to say that that they were like puppets or in a trance. And in fact, the second Peter passage that uh, Matthew read, it says no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy spirit. This word carried along is used elsewhere in the book of acts uh, about talking about a boat that was carried along by the wind. So it was being the energy that was is propelling the boat was the wind. The energy behind what is propelling these authors of Scripture uh, has to be God. God, God, the Holy Spirit, to be specific. But they were they were the ones who wrote um, because it says here the men spoke, mm. right? They were the ones speaking, right. um, but it was God who was carrying along and. I think superintended is a good way to say it so that the final product is the inspired word of God. That yeah. How they got there some, in some sense remains a mystery. We, we don't, it's not clearly explained, but I imagine Paul writing the letter of Romans, thinking through the writing the letter of Romans, like I would, if I was sitting down to write the letter of Romans the difference would be that I don't have God superintending me to ensure that what I write is inerrant and infallible and is the exact word of God. Yeah. So, I mean, and you can see this even in Galatians, I think, um, because Paul, I mean, Paul's, um, his anger, as well as his frustration, as well as his, just his, um, heartbreak over over the Galatians and they're falling into heresy and they're not defending the gospel. I mean, I, I, it's clearly evident. I mean, the, the, this is why Paul, you know, at, at times, you know, um, e- even in other passages or, or in other books, you know, he'll break out into just um, inspired praise. You know, he just, he prays out, you know, breaks out in praise and in Galatians, he breaks out and says, Hey, you know, I, I just wish that this is, I'm just so tired of this. I just wish they would go ahead and emasculate themselves because I'm sick and tired of this. Right. (laughs) 
And it's weird to think even that is the word of God. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what God wanted written to them. Um, so, but he, it, I mean, sometimes it's easy to see how things were inspired. I mean, you read the prophets and it says, thus says the Lord. And then now it's still written in the language and the, in the context of the prophet and all those kind of things where, where it gets more difficult is in the places like Psalms and Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes ooh, that, <laughs> and the song of <laughs> Solomon. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't know what to do there. Psalms may, is a little easier than those, but, uh, it's hard to see how sometimes how how these are the words of God. Well, um, and I'll, I'll just simply follow that up by just just saying and pointing out that um, even in this passage here, uh, as you mentioned in Second uh, Peter, I mean it's very clear that these men, as you said, were moved along by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you know it wasn't given. I think um, no private interpretation or, or something like that. Um, I may yeah, be pulling from my. Yeah. yeah, from the previous verse, but in verse 20. And so that, that informs verse 21. And the understanding there is that it's literally from no private source would be the understanding there. In other words, that it's not the prophets and it's not the apostles who originated this, but it's actually the spirit of God who inspired and spoke through them. Uh, and, and again, going back to superintending, he, he superintended the, the, their works. And I, I think a good analogy is uh, the conception of Christ. Mm. The father, he superintended over Mary to ensure that the, the son born from her would be the sinless son of God. Yeah. And if you think about that, right? So e even in this, um, when it's talking, it's, it, this, this is all, and this is, you know, and I don't want to go too far with this, so you can stop me at any point, but the idea there in, in uh, the passage where Jesus, uh, where um, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and the idea that's being presented here is the same as the creation language back in Genesis chapter one, verse two, where it says that the Holy Spirit was, was hovering over the waters. In other words, he overshadowed the waters. He overshadowed Mary. And at this point, it, he's overshadowing the apostles and the prophets so that he is birthing in, in through them this the word of God. So you hinted at this, but let's now, let's now move into illumination. Uh, this has to do, of course, with the interpretation of scripture and because of the nature of scripture, the scriptures are inspired by God, but the men who wrote it were moved by the spirit that, that impacts how we interpret the scriptures. Okay. Now I think we explained well what inspiration was, but let me give you a definition real quick or an explanation of illumination from the Baptist Confession. Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word. In other words, illumination is the Spirit's assistance in our understanding. The Confession says we need, need His help for saving understanding, but <laughs> I think we need more than that. <laughs> yeah, agreed. We, we need it for understanding. So there's a sense which anyone, whether a believer or unbeliever, can understand what God's word says. They can read the phrases and the sentences and 
and put the things together and understand it. But there's not going to be any um, acceptance of it, an embracing of it, apart from the work of the Spirit. And the same is true in the believer's life as well. There are things that are difficult, not just difficult to understand, but difficult to embrace because it goes against the remaining sin in us. And so we continue to need the Holy Spirit, even as believers, to illumine illumine the scriptures so that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit's work and inspiration wasn't finished when he finished uh, the book of Revelation, but it's ongoing in the hearts of believers as he illuminates his word in our hearts. So we can't adequately and accurately understand fully God's word without his work. So yeah. go, go ahead. I was going to say, um, you know, first, first Corinthians two uh, talks about that. Uh, the, uh, I believe it's around verse 14. that talks about that. You can't, uh, that, that, um, um, the, the unspiritual person can't receive the, the things of God just, just naturally. I mean, like you said, common grace is there so that they can understand words. I mean, they can read books and they can understand words and they can do math problems. And so that's common grace, but yes, to fully apply that, um, you know, it has to be, it has to be the work of the spirit. And as a matter of fact, grab this here. Uh, yeah. First Corinthians two fourteen. the natural, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So it goes back to what you were saying there, Jeremy. Right. So given that now, the other thing we have to understand, I think is when we seek to understand scripture, we have to realize that there's two authors. Um, there's the human author, second Peter tells us, the men spoke from God. Uh, so the men spoke, but they also spoke from God. So that means that we have to do the work of understanding the grammar, the history, all the languages, all those kind of things in order to help us understand what the word of God is saying. Now, so the Bible in that sense is like any other book. Now, how dare you? It's more than just like any other book. Okay. I'm not saying it's that's all it is. I got my King James right here, baby. It's more (laughs) than (laughs) go ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. You're right. It is more than just a book, but it's not less than just a book. So, the the same hermeneutical rules that you would use in understanding uh, Moby Dick or a nonfiction book, um, like one of Plato's dialogues or something like that, uh, you would need those skills and tools to understand God's words because they were written by men. But that's not enough. <laughs> well, and, and in that sense, I mean, it, and, and that's why I think there's, there's so much misunderstanding, too, uh, with the pe- people want to just they 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 want to have this view of scripture like there's not there's not genres there's there's not uh, you know uh, thing ways you know hyperbole and there's not these things that are contained in scripture. I I 
you know, and, and so therefore they want to try to take a narrative and say, well, you know, you can overcome your giants in your life because, you know, you know, you just got to have those, you know, and you can't do that. That's not how, that's not how the Bible was intended to be interpreted. Yeah. However, because God is the author, um, this means everything is connected. Sure. There's more there than just the ordinary human words and things like that. So when we see themes, just for example, the uh, the city of Jerusalem, uh, when it when it talks about Jerusalem, it doesn't just mean the literal city of Jerusalem. Uh, there's especially when you read the Psalms, Jerusalem can be is the literal city, but it's also a type of the church. It's also a type of the um, eternal city of God. Uh, so there's there's more to it. And you can see these themes all throughout Scripture. Um, so we know that from God. Uh, right. God's the author. Which is why we can also say, going back to, you know, David uh, that, that I brought up, you know, we can say, you know, Jesus is the true and better David you know, who conquered the true giant, you know, sin and death and hell and the grave and right. And, and, you know, he, he was the one that, that overcame and we can apply it in that way. We can apply it in a Christocentric way and not be outside all, you know, granted, if you're a dispensationalist or a new covenant guy, maybe you're freaking out at this point, but I mean, <laughs> it, otherwise, I mean, I think historically um, the church has, has to historically understood it in those senses that it, you can apply it in, 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 in a numer numerous amount of ways and particularly culminating in Christ. There are, there is a spiritual understanding, not just the literal understanding of the text. Right. And it's because the author is God. So finally, let's talk about some of the dangers. Um, I, so I think the dangers are uh, ignoring scripture and focusing on, on the spirit or focusing on the spirit and ignoring scripture or ignoring human teachers or focusing too much on human teachers. Now, uh, Tim and I know plenty of people, Matthew probably does too, who think the best way to understand the Bible is you, your Bible under the tree with the Holy Spirit. And that, that's all you I know. knew you were going here. I knew you were going there. <laughs> yeah, I could tell by the look on your face. That's not a, that is a, I mean, there's nothing wrong with sitting under the tree and reading the Bible and, and praying through it and trying to understand it. Um, but uh, it's it's very individualistic. Um, it, it assumes the spirit only speaks to you and he hasn't spoken through other teachers in the church currently and in the past. So there's there's some problems there. Um, I, to me, <laughs> this is one of the things that I see is is the biggest problem with today in the church. Yeah when it comes to interpretation, the individualistic idea. So then rather than turning to lexicons to try to understand what the word means or turning to commentaries to help you because you don't know the original languages, there's you just pray about what the meaning is and the Spirit teaches you what the meaning is. There's many problems with that, but I think the chief one is that you're ignoring the Spirit's work in others. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you, you guys know, I mean, Jeremy, particularly, you know, that, you know, we have, we have guys that we went to school with that, you know, it's like, well, why should I read anybody else? Uh, and then they give you their interpretation. You're like, well, according to your own logic, why should we listen to you? I, you know, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, but, but no, I mean, really guys, guys, they, they really do. Um, they, they really think that, you know, they can go out and, you know, and, and just come up with an, uh, an, an understanding. And, and certainly the scripture is, is, is designed for us to be able to go out and, and to read scripture in context and come away with a correct interpretation. However, as, as you and I both know, um, and I, I don't know, I think it was, um, I, well, I don't want to say the wrong professor. So I'll just say one of our professors, I remember him saying to us, he said, guys, if you come away with a new interpretation, uh, and you know, uh, you know, and, and no one else in the history of the church has ever, has ever come up with that. You have a wrong interpretation. Uh, and, and I think that's, you know, but, but in our individualistic society, you know, it's almost like we've adopted this postmodern view of, well, how dare you, who are you to tell me I'm wrong? Yeah, well, and and not only are you telling them, but you're also telling them that the Holy Spirit's wrong because the Holy Spirit's the one that gave them that interpretation. Yes. So there's difficulty there as well. Um, and so they become a they become their own pope. <laughs> yes. Um, well, and then the, another issue that I see a lot is, I mean, we're talking about people who are actually paying attention to the Bible, but I, I've ha had plenty of people uh, that listen to the Spirit rather than the Bible and play the Spirit against the Bible. You know, you tell them something from Scripture that they don't like, and they say, well, the Spirit told me this and so, <laughs> which is contrary to what the Scripture says, and of course, they listen to the, the voice of the supposed voice of the Spirit that they're uh, telling you about rather than scripture, uh, completely ignoring the fact that the scriptures were written by the spirit. And so we know the spirit wrote the scriptures. We don't know who the spirit is that's talking to you and telling you to do something contrary to what the known revelation of God is. Uh, these are, these are, uh, this is a danger as well. Yeah. Which is why I tell people all the time. Uh, and I've had people, and maybe you guys have too, I've had people come up to me and say, Hey, you know, God gave me a word. And, and I've, I've replied on several occasions, you better give me a chapter and verse with that because otherwise <laughs> you're lying. Yeah. So, um, and so let's talk more personally about our own circles. These are people who, while Christians, um, these, this is outside our circles. What, what's the problem within our own circles? when it comes to inspiration and illumination. So, um, well, as insofar as, uh, illumination, um, I don't know, because I mean, it's easy, it's easy for us to sit back and, and, and criticize the liberals, um, and, and say, you've got it all wrong. But I do think also at the same time, I, I think it's, I think it's hard. It's, it's harder for us to, to scroll back or to, to, to look back and, and zoom out and I'm going to use a word here and I'll try to define it. Um, but um, I think oftentimes what ends up happening in our circles is people become um, they become biblicists. In other words, 
they, they, they get to the point that it's not just that they're emphasizing the Bible, which, which we obviously want people to, it's obviously we want to, we, we want people to say, you know, give us a book chapter and verse, but so, so, but, but, but it becomes problematic when we get into things like, um, the Trinity. And when we get it, because there is no book, chapter and verse where you can just go to and say, well, see, this is the word here's Trinity or, um, here's a, you know, or, or other doctrines, you know, uh, they, they begin to say, well, you know, we can't have a, um, you know, because you don't have a book, chapter and verse for this or that. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to anything you have to say. And so, so what they end up doing is they, they end up, um, becoming so low, uh, scripturists versus embracing sola scriptura. Right. Um, yeah, we, so we, we certainly have that problem. Um, and I would, I would say this too. I would also say Jeremy, and, and I think you would, you guys would agree with me on this, the, um, on the issue of, of, um, of solo scriptura. I mean, the, the, and we, I think we talked about this in the last, uh, the last podcast too, which is, uh, the creeds and confessions, basically they just chuck them out the window and they say, Oh, you know, well, we don't need those things. They're, you know, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, we, if we want to believe something, I mean, the creeds and confessions, yeah, they're, they're okay, but they're, they're really no help to us at all. Instead of seeing them as guardrails, yeah, and that, that's a good sign you're dealing with somebody who's a biblicist that can just easily chuck it. It's and possibly that, a heretic. <laughs> it's not that you can never disagree with the creeds or confessions. Um, right. But uh, if they're easily dismissed, <laughs> then then you certainly have that situation. So, all right, I, I think. Okay, I guess I'll just throw one thing out so my voice gets on here a little bit. Thank you. You're welcome. And to see if you'd say anything. Yeah, I understand. I think one of the dangers more for our circles is we can become literalists to the point. What I mean by that is all we're trying to do is figure out what the text says, and we never give the spirit any room to move at all. In order to say it another way, we think it's all black and white. And so we never give any ground so it's kind of like what tim was talking about being biblicist but not exactly it's similar right yeah. yeah it's in the same vein yeah right it's like i i it's i can't really explain what you're saying but i know when i'm preaching i fall into that trap that i feel like the text says this and there's there might be an implication there may be a hint and maybe i should go that way but I'm disinclined to do that because I feel like maybe that's not what this text is saying. And I, I, I stay away from it for that reason. I can become too, too wooden. I think that's a good way to say it. We, we just become wooden. Yeah. Rather. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll leave it at that then, Matthew. All um, right. I'm glad you finally got to say something. Yeah, I know. was waiting for you to butt in and correct our, heretical or heterodox thoughts and <laughs> this all out so our final thought is the spirit has inspired and illuminated the scripture so be grateful for his work and then read it we thank, thank you, you for listening you. to this episode of ordinary fellowship a podcast ministry of two rivers community church for more information about two rivers you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org 
We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at OrdinaryFellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.